Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. And this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Jack Ryan, uh, CEO of Rex Real Estate. Jack, how you doing? Great. Glad to be here. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for yeah, having me on. Thanks. Yeah, would you let listeners know what does uh, Rex do? Well, in a single sentence, Rex is the digital alternative to the residential real estate agent. Basically, we do everything an agent would do, but we do it with data. So that's basically what we do, and we just use deep learning, artificial intelligence, and, and uh, big data to find buyers and sellers and sell homes for 2%, not 6%. So um, are people hiring you as their agent, either their buying or selling agent, or what's your role in a transaction? They hire us for both. Uh, primarily, people who sell the home come to us and say, "We'd like to sell the home. Have you sell us uh, sell the home for us?" And we don't use the MLS. We don't use agents to do it. It turns out that nowadays everybody has a supercomputer in their pocket, and so we can find um, buyers for homes not using the MLS, not using agents, but just using big data to find out who the likely buyers are for your home, targeting people with ads who are the likely buyer for your home, driving them to a website, learning what they have the most interest in about your home, and then um, sure. building pools of buyers based upon people who look like the people who came to your home. That is demographically, lifestyle, et cetera, geographically. So that's how we find, that's why you find buyers and sellers the same way. We, of course, advertise on the web and tell people that if it's time to sell their home, they should use us and we can do it faster and better and provide better service for 2%, not 6%. But also there's behaviors that sellers engage in before they sell the home, and we can identify those behaviors and say, if it's time to sell your home, you should think about doing it with us as opposed to the traditional bricks-and-mortar real estate agent way. That was really interesting. Huh. So you tend to be more on the buyer side or the seller side? Who do you represent more often? Much more on the seller side. A seller you know, has a, a home that they want to sell, and they ask us to sell it, and then we start the process of you know, finding them, them a buyer. But everything is really done digitally. You know, it'll be interesting to you and, and maybe your listeners to realize that not only can we find you know, sellers and buyers digitally, but even processing the transaction, it turns out there's about 75 questions you can ask about a house, and after that, that's about it. But we've trained, you know, Watson and we've trained Alexa to answer most of the questions that some would have about the house. Now, of course, we have humans engaged with a seller when they first think about selling a house with Rex and this person holds your hand throughout the entire process and who you can call along the way. But there's a lot of things that are repetitive and, and basic and through, you know, automated learning, we can teach right. the computers to answer the questions that are most common at the house so that the buyers get quick questions, they're accurate, and there's a record of the conversation. So 
Everything we do, whether it's finding buyers or sellers, even processing the transaction as either soft artificial intelligence or hard AI or some sort of data element to it. That's really interesting. How do you find your sellers? Do you, are you, um, do you kind of know what behaviors someone gives off, let's say on social media or uh, I know other events in their life and you identify the sellers or do you just put out ads and they come to you? But once they come to you, then you work your process with them. Both ways. So sometimes people are doing proactive searches on the web. And of course, you know, we can identify those searches and pop up an ad against that search. So if they're searching for how do I sell my home or what's my home worth or how do I find an agent, we can pop up an ad against that search. But there's also certain behaviors that people engage in prior to them um, deciding to sell a home, either longitudinally. That means that over time, they engage in certain behaviors and those behaviors change prior to them possibly selling their house. Or latitudinally, that is, they do a certain set of activities within a short time period of each other, and those could also be a sign that it's time to sell your house. So this isn't one of them, but it's akin to things like they check the value of their home online, and they buy paint, and there's a recent addition or subtraction to to your family. And Mm -hmm. those behaviors all occurring within a certain time period could be a signal that there's, you know, an eight times more likely chance than random that you might be selling your home. Right, we do the same right, thing with buyers, by the way. We do this, you know, with buyers, we can target buyers based upon the fact that um, there was a recent addition to their family and their oldest child is, is heading toward elementary school and they've been in the house for a certain amount of time. I mean, that's the way we can find buyers too. And once we find a certain right. amount of buyers who are interested, we can find other buyers just like them because if they're interested, then probably other people who exhibit the same behaviors, whether it's demographically or lifestyle, probably are also interested buyers in this home. So I, you know, I was at Goldman Sachs oh. for a long time. And, and when I started at Goldman Sachs, the, we used to charge uh, 12 cents uh, per share or an eighth to move you know, a share of IBM. So if you wanted to sell a million shares of IBM, we, we'd charge you 12 cents per share, right? right? When I left Goldman, we were down to maybe a penny or a half a penny because we could do most mm-hmm. of it digitally or like, you know, electronic trading of shares, which is better for the buyer, it was better for the seller, because that kind of deadweight loss of an eighth in the middle got reallocated to the buyers and the sellers. And we're applying the same techniques and the same technology to selling homes with the result that the consumers on both sides are almost better off because that 5 or 6% fee that you pay, like on the East Coast, it's 6% like in New York or Boston, you know, right. the, the buyer could buy for less and the seller could get to get more at the same time. It's almost magic that the buyer can buy the same house for less and the seller can sell the same house for more because right. there's not a 6% fee in the middle. Yeah, you're more efficient, so costs are lower. In addition to that, though, what, you know, I don't know if this is secret sauce or not, but how are you attracting people to either buy or sell with you besides the, that it's cheaper? What else are you telling them that you, you see, they're like, oh, I really like that and makes them sign up with you? Well, so on the sell side, you know, we're, we're 70% cheaper. So let's say you're in New York or Massachusetts. So we, by the way, we, we launched in uh, New York today uh, we, and we already have um, right. two listings in New York. But what um, attracts them, of course, is we're 70% less. But then the service is so much better. So because we're not going through the intermediary, we're, we're you know, going right to the buyer themselves as opposed to someone who may know a buyer who then has to contact a buyer, we're closing homes faster. There's a lot of other things we've done to make the process quicker, such as if you want to make an offer in a house, no need to set, you know, fill out a 17-page contract. 
You can just mm. tell us what price do you want to pay and when do you want to close and do a financing contingency or not, and just give us an indication of interest. And if, you're, if the buyer and the seller are close, then of course, we can do all that work, but that just speeds the process. That's just one example of how we can speed the process up. And then because we are going directly to buyers, not you know through intermediaries, that speeds up the process. So on average, and it changes from month to month, we watch this very carefully, but on average, we yeah. sell homes 25 to 30% faster than the traditional residential real estate agent because we don't have all this kind of bureaucratic uh, maze to go through with too many people involved along the way. So, you know, it's not a situation where the seller's talking to the seller's agent, who's talking to the buyer's agent, who's talking to the buyer just to schedule time to see the home. And the buyer's getting back to the buyer's agent, who's getting back to the seller's agent, who's getting back to the seller. That process alone can take days if you're familiar with buying a house. You know, for us, you just go to our website and it's like open table. You see a house you like and you schedule the tour, the, the time to see the home right then and there and it's done. Um, so there's so many things we've done that are so much faster because we're taking out the middlemen who are expensive and oftentimes slow things down. Yeah. How about the um, the AI and the 75 questions and all that? You know, like how have you uh, not only made the process more efficient, but what insights are you getting from running the process this way and doing so many listings? What are you seeing that's surprising that most people wouldn't know about? There's so many things surprising about AI. One is that your listeners might get a kick out of is, you know, we have we had a... We have a robot in the home to answer many of the questions, although there's a person there too, but there's a robot there that has all, all the information about the home. One thing that's useful is what people do not like, they don't like something that looks a lot like them, but not quite like them. Scares them. So if you put a robot in the home and um, it looks just like you, but a little bit off, you know, it's kind of frightening. But then right, if you... Yeah. But then if you, if you empower the robot the same information and just make it look like a Alexa or a, a computer screen or something, you can walk off the screen and say, you know, how many square feet is this house? Or what are the floors like? Or what's the house like? Now, it's easier. It sounds great, and it really is. Um, a little bit harder to program than it sounds because humans have 100 different ways to ask about the roof. They can say, hmm. what's the roof like? What's the condition of the roof? Does the house leak? Is there water damage in the house? All those are related in some way to the condition of the roof. And so you have to train the AI, as you know from your experience, to know those questions all mean what's the condition of the roof. The good news, right. though, as we, as we do more and more transactions, not as our, our ability to find buyers get better and our ability to find sellers get better, but also every time we sell a home, our hard artificial intelligence like that, like I just described, gets better and better. Uh, and, and the benefits to the consumers are, one, you get an answer really quickly. Number two, you don't have to wait for you know, the seller agent to call the buyer agent or vice versa and wait around for days. Number two right. um, is the answer is almost always 100% accurate because it's not some person fumbling through papers that says, I think that the roof was replaced in you know, 2001, I'll get back to you. It's right there. And third, there's usually a record of the conversation. And so that takes a lot of the mystery out of, you know, who said what to whom about the condition of the house or the roof. So a lot of the confusion that might exist around the house or some of it goes away as well. So there's so many benefits to the consumer. And of course, because, you know, there's a computer in the home, the costs are less because the computer is there and it can answer a lot of the questions. So we don't need certain people there at certain times because the computer can answer um, most of the questions. Are you doing, uh, you said a person is there as well, or is it just computer only? Are you doing open houses that are completely automated? No. Well, we can do that when the, the house is empty. But when there's someone, when, there's, when the house is being, when the house is occupied, we have someone there. But to, to the point I'm, I'm making about, you know, how you can do it for less, and most of it is just the, the technology empowers people to do their jobs better or to remove some, certain mundane repetitive tasks. 
what we don't want people to do, and I'm sure all of your listeners have, have had this you know, horrible experience, you walk into a home and then that fiscal agent says, hey, I'd like to show you the home. And all you really want to do is get a sense for whether it fits emotionally and functionally with right. your family. But then you're kind of forced on this tour where the agent says, hey, look, that here's a refrigerator. And you're like, well, thank you very exactly. much. You know, I, know what, I, I know what a refrigerator yeah, I know what a refrigerator looks like, but thank you for the help. I appreciate it. And here's the stairway. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know that's a stairway, but you know, thank you very much. And look at this bathroom. Yep, got it. to bathroom. I understand. So we try to take a lot of that stuff out of the presentation, and the person who might show the home just really reads them, has basic information about the home. And then anything more complicated than the square foot of the home, you can just go ask Rex, you know, any question, almost any question, and it knows the answer. So it just makes the process a lot easier for the buyer and the seller and just speeds things along and makes for a situation where, where you don't feel like you're being sold something, especially taking a tour of the home that you really don't want because you care about more about the garage for your tools than you care about you know, the state of the kitchen. So do you represent, do you, do you only step in when there's uh, both parties are not rep- represented by an agent? You know, you do dual representation or do you work with realtors on the other side if needs be? No, we, we uh, generally go right to the buyers directly. And then so, let, you know, we, let's say a seller lists a home. And then we, as we mentioned, we use big data to find who the buyers are. And we the, find out, you know, who's hitting the ad and then look for people just like that because we know they'd be interested as well. And then they'll eventually, not eventually, pretty quickly reach out to say they want to schedule a tour. And then we assign someone to help them with the contract. And most of these contracts are pretty simple, but we'll take care of all the contracting for the buyer and the seller. Separate person on the buy side, separate person on the sell side. And we'll put the transaction together for them. Now, if, if, if the buyer wants to hire a lawyer on their own or they want to hire an agent on their own, they're welcome to do so, of course, but there's no need to do so. And there certainly isn't a need to say, um, hey, you know, I found this home because they hit me with an ad and then I called an agent to you know, ask if I get into the home. And now I owe this agent 3% on a $500,000 home. I owe them $15,000. This isn't a, a need for that. And we, since we're targeting consumers directly, we're going right to them. So the only reason an agent would be involved is if this a consumer called the agent and said, hey, I, they hit me with this ad for this home. Could you, you know, call them and schedule a tour or something? So would you will work with, let's say someone's a seller, they have an agent already, and they run across your ads and they say, oh, man, you know, I'd like to work with Rex. You will work with them if they have an agent already? Yeah, and we basically say, look, if you want to pay an agent, you know, feel free to do so. We'll take care of everything for you. But if you feel like they've um, added value in some way or provide service to you in some way, you should you know, talk to your agent and you feel free to pay them whatever you think they deserve for all the good work they've done for you over the last you know, week or month or time, how much long they've, they've worked with you. That's really up to you yeah. and, your, and your agent. All right. And then um, you know, the fact that you're using AI and, and big data and all the other stuff tells me that you know, the kind of people that do that, like you, they're never, they're never satisfied. They want to keep making it more efficient. They want to keep pulling out more insights and everything. So again, what are some like really unique feedback insights or things that you've learned and where do you want to take this? What's your vision for how far you can, you can take this process? We're taking it, we're taking it really far in many different ways. So for instance, you know, I told you I came back, I came from a Goldman Sachs on banking and trading background. So one thing is that, that happens is just, you know, it seems to me absolutely crazy is someone wants to value your home and they say, here's a list of data from the last three or four or five, six months. And so we think that your home should be valued at X today. Like I said, if I ask someone back in my Goldman days, where does the British pound trade today? And someone said, oh, here's data for where it traded back in January, February, March, and April. I would think they didn't understand my question. I want to know where that the pound trades today. It's irrelevant to me whether the British pound traded back in February if the, if the British voted for Brexit or anything else for that matter, right? 
So one of the things we do, there's so many things we do with data, but one of the things we do is we monitor the, monitor the conversion rate. So if we're selling a home and we have, you know, a million impressions on Google and 500,000 impressions on Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat, Waze, we generally know for a certain kind of home in a certain kind of area what the conversion rate should be for that home in terms of how many people clicked through to the ad and went to the website. And if the click-through rate is higher or lower than we've we've put together as a normal curve for those conversions, we can give the consumer real-time feedback with data to say that we've underpriced your home or we've overpriced your home because relative to the other homes we've, we've sold, here's how your curve stacks up relative to their curve. And so in many ways, it takes the pressure out of you know, we do a very good job of pricing homes in the first instance. In fact, the data shows that we sell our homes at 99% of the listing price. But to the extent we're wrong in some way, the data quickly tells us that we're wrong and we can adjust the price because we have real-time demand metrics, just like you do in the stock and bond market for your home. And so the traditional way of like, you know, valuing a home is really in the era of the 21st century of data is just, I think, completely irrelevant. You know, um, as you guys might remember, um, Snap went public. Uh, you know, a number of months ago. And if you just looked at the uh, where homes should trade based upon a six-month historical data for Venice, you would underprice the home and take victory laps because you sold the home in a week. But what happened, okay. what we saw in the data, what happened was when Snap went public, all of a sudden conversion rates for that home went up. And we didn't know the reason why at first. We're not smart enough to figure that out. But we were smart enough out to figure out that hey, for some reason, demand for homes in Venice is spiking and we ought to increase the prices of homes in Venice, right? At a home showing, like, you know, a few days later, someone told us that they're looking for a house because they got liquidity, they want want to move closer to work, and so they Mm -hmm. want to buy a home in Venice. So we go, oh, that's why the conversion rates went up. That's why homes, you know, values went up. But that data you can only get if you're doing what we're doing, it's not going to show up in a CMA. What is SNAP? That you know the um, social media channel Snapchat. Okay. Oh, Snapchat. Okay. Yeah. I didn't understand the abbreviation. I apologize. That's right. Interesting. All right. So you're you're a lot more nimble than what's happening right now. What? Why is it that uh, real estate is so many of the ways that things are done so antiquated? You know, I've I've dealt with it and I've had to like fill out paperwork even in you know even today and. The MLS is like this archaic database that has like a death grip on the industry. Why is it so out of date and out of whack? I was absolutely shocked that no one was doing what we were doing. In fact, I, I was you know looking to invest in some company that was doing that what we're doing, and I couldn't find anybody who was doing it. So I was always launch it myself. I don't know why, but so far technology has been used in two ways to kind of improve the real estate process. One is to be lead generation for agents. That's what Zillow and Trulia and you know Realtor.com do. They have good uh, good web experience. But then they drive you into the MLS agent process once you find a home you like, or et cetera, or if you want to sell your home. And then there's some people who've used technology to make their agents a little bit more effective. But no yeah. one has said, I'm going to use technology to go around this antiquated, old, archaic process that the MLS does. We're the only guys doing that still a year and a half later. And in California, in June, for instance, we were listing and closing a home a day. So oh, it's wow. really working. It's working really well. And we're saving tons of money. So I don't know why no, why no one else done uh, Having said that, it's not something you can do with, you know, a million dollars and start in your garage. Uh, it takes a lot of capital to get, you know, the PhDs and the computer scientists in the same place to figure out how to um, find buyers and sellers 
based on big data. But once you figure it out, it's so much better and smoother. First of all, the cost is which is a lot lower. But then second is that the whole experience is better. In fact, you have complete trans you have complete visibility. Like, you know, sometimes you list a home, not some agents are very good, but sometimes you list a home with an agent and you don't only really hear back for a few weeks of how things are going. You can go to our seller yep. dashboard like every you know day and see how many impressions you have on Google, how many people have come to the, your uh, microsite for your home, how many people have wow. scheduled a tour. You can find that for Google, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Waze, you know, everything that we do, we do some print That's stuff cool, too. It makes it yeah, into so you, a game. And a, you can, yeah, yeah, you can cool. actually watch the entire process occurring, and you can see what your conversion rates are, and you can see you know, what ads are you know, converting the best for you and things like that, and um, you know, who, we've added, who we've added to the remarketing pool. I know that you know a lot about this stuff, Richard, given your experience in advertising in the legal area, so this is stuff that I know right. you're extremely familiar with. But you can actually yep. see who's in the remarketing pool, and we can change – we can think out of this remarketing pool, these are the people that are most converting out of the already – Mm-hmm. densified remarketing pool. Let's go find people just like that because of this narrow group. These guys are the most interested in this home. And we can find people who look just like that geographically, demographically, lifestyle. Let's go hit it, not, not wait for them to show up at Zillow someday and you know hope that they click onto right. your home. Let's go proactively target that person with an ad based upon the way they've lived their life and where they stand in their life cycle because they seem to be like the guys who are clicking through at a higher rate for this home. How many how many closings have you done? We closed the home every day in June, and I think we our public, our site only went public in like late 2015. I think we're around 150 or so already. And you got to remember, our closings occur about four months after our listings. Um, so right, we, right. I think we're up to we're closing on 300 homes listed. Oh, and the only reason that yeah. we're lagging behind is because it's a you know a four month lag time or more, maybe five months. Between the time we finally we go get the home up on the on the web, and then we close the home right. because you know, because you, you're in the legal business, you know the escrow and title process takes a little bit longer after you get, get into a contract. You must be learning how to do you know which ads work the best in which areas and in which situations. I would think that over time, you guys are going to get really good at selling houses and buying them quick. You know what? Can you, know you what? share any an insights? Yeah, we become an expert overnight because what happens, like let's say we never hold, sold a home like in Dana Point and we're, we're going to do this right now in Long Island. Um, we can throw out ads for, a, for this home that are beautiful within a 15-mile radius of the home, see who's clicking on that home and realize the kind of person who has interest in this home. So what happens is the traditional residential real estate agent will say, my intuition tells me, because I've been in this area for 15 years, that the buyers right. for this home in Dana Point are coming from South L.A. County. But once again, kind of like my analogy to, you know, where does the British pound trading? Where people came from 15 years ago, 15 months ago, or 15 weeks ago is irrelevant to who's buying that home right now. And then right. we can target those people right away and people who look like, like those people. But this is like right up your power alley, Richard. Once, once we know um, who is in that remarketing pool, we can make it better and better and better and smarter and smarter and smarter. So by the time that we've sold 10 homes in, for instance, Thousand Oaks, California, which we have, our remarketing pool for Thousand Oaks that's very updated could be 75,000 people who care about a three-bedroom, three-bath home. And not only is it 75,000 people, but we know their exact interests, each one of those 75,000 people's interests, not because of, they, they told us, but because we saw their behavior on the website for the particular home to which we drove them. By that, I mean they hit the drop-down bar for the school or they lingered on the pool for five times as long as it lingered on the kitchen. And so we have them all categorized, all 75,000 people categorized by what parts of homes they have the most interest in. So by the time we sell our 11th home, 
uh, you know, three-bedroom, three-bath home in Thousand Oaks. We know these 75,000 people care, but beyond that, we know those 75,000 people, what each one of them cares the most about. And Taylor, they add to that person mm. based upon their individual interests. So that's far beyond. This is all that you were asking me for, Richard, about how, you, how, the, how we have this neural network that keeps learning. You know, once you've right. done a number of homes, the uh, AI gets smarter, the how we find buyers gets smarter, how we target the buyers gets smarter, the market share builds more market. It's just, it's the whole neural network that grows with every single transaction. And that's why I think we're growing at an algorithmic rate, not a kind of linear rate, because our neural network is getting smarter and smarter every single day with additional questions, additional buyers' behavior, et cetera. What if I'm, I'm an agent and I'm just, you know, dragging ass and doing okay, but I want to do better? Can I work with you guys? And you'll, can I plug into your system or is there room no. for that in the commission structure? No, it really isn't. It's not, it's not really room because we only charge 2%. So there's not really room to say, oh, you know, we'll pay out that money something to an agent. I mean, sometimes agents will say, well, do you cooperate? And of course we cooperate. We'll let you see the home, come in, bring your customer, et cetera. But you really, if, if the buyer really needs an agent, we're finding that, well, this is, the data shows this, 90% of buyers have done all the work on their own for the most part. They've been on Zillow, Trulia, Google, Facebook, looking for homes now for you know nine months, twelve months on their own, and they kind of they call an agent when they feel like they have to to get into the house. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we contact that, we get reset buyer directly, and if they really think they want to work with an agent, we don't discourage it. But it's really that's something just like at Goldman Sachs. If the buyer wants to use Morgan Stanley, great. If you want to use a lawyer, great. But that's something you got to take care of, uh, and the, the buyers do most work on their own anyway. So what um what fascinates you about what you do? What's most interesting to you and what do you want to uh, dig into or learn more about? Well, I think the world's headed to what I call the Internet of Services. You know, when I was at Goldman, what was interesting is you, you helped 3M buy a business in Europe and um, you got that brokerage fee or advisory fee, but you, you also could help them at a lower cost because you knew the transaction. You already had acquired the customer to put it in, in kind of marketing speak. Uh, you could do the billion-dollar debt issuance. You could help them with the foreign exchange trade. You could help them with the fixed-to-floating rate swap on their you know, fixed-income debt issuance. The analogy in the consumer space is that when you buy a home, you, have, you know, get a mortgage, you get the home insurance. The home insurance company requires you to get the um, get, get, you know, ADT security system, which requires you to get the, the cable bill or the wireless communication bill, et cetera. Um, so there's so much to be done to make the consumer's life dramatically better, and it's all data-driven exercises. And so there's ways that you can make the consumers much better off on the buy side and the sell side from cost and the service point of view and, um, and wrap these things together in a way that makes it much simpler for them as well, in addition to much lower cost. And so every, time, every week we learn more and more and more about how to provide a better service to the customer because of our data getting better and better and better. And that's just the learning. I guess what's most interesting, Richard, is learning never stops. You know, we iterate every single day. We learn with data every single day. It just, it's just fascinating to, you know, solve one problem. And then you find out that once you solve that problem, there's another fun problem you can solve. So that's what's fun about the job. You, um, are you concerned that you'll get the pushback from realtors, that they'll try to stomp you out or they'll hate you because, you know, you're taking their job, even though they, you know, may not be the most useful people on earth? Well, we abide by all the laws that like California, New York, other states put upon real estate agents. So we're not like Uber, Airbnb, or any of those other people who, uh, and I'm not criticizing this business model though, but who try to create so much demand that have the laws changed. We're abiding by all the laws of California and New York. And as we go into Florida and Texas, we're, change, we're abiding by all those laws too. So there's not much I don't think they can do with respect to that. With respect to them not liking us, I suppose there's some who, who wouldn't. 
But I think we're doing so much good for the consumers, the buyer and the seller. Like, you know, in New York and, and even in California, to think of this for a second, if you bought a home, you know, five years ago or right before the crisis for $500,000 and it's worth $510,000 today, once you pay that 6% fee, you owe someone $20,000, right? If you took out a mortgage or something, you owe someone a lot yeah. of money. And if you can say, well, I'll do it for 2%, now all of a sudden the family has flexibility to move somewhere else. It might be the down payment for their next home. Maybe it helps them pay for the tuition for their kids in school. So we feel like we're doing a lot of good for the community. And the other thing I would say is, as you know from your experience, that if you reduce transaction costs, the risk of engaging that transaction go lower and lower. One of the problems with buying a home is you have that 6% fee and you have all these other kind of expenses that happen at that moment. But if you can reduce the cost lower and lower, if you made a mistake, it's easier to get out of it and it's not a big deal. And that makes the value of every asset go up. And by the way, a lot of local governments you know, charge a small fee when you sell a home. So it actually produces more revenue for local governments. But I think almost everybody in the whole system is better off. And maybe some agents won't be as well off. Um, but I guess that was also true of different other jobs before you know, the, the technology gave them an opportunity to do an even better, more useful activity. Where, um, where are the inefficient, inefficiencies left? In the process, you know, you guys are good with the home showing and, you know, the, the back and forth with buyer and seller, et cetera. Stuff's still take a month. So where are the inefficiencies left in the process? And can you uh, get rid of even more of those? What else are you guys working on in terms of speed of the whole closing process? Well, that's a really good question. So, you know, we can sell a home sometimes in days, sometimes in weeks, and that takes two months to close. And part of this is governmental. It depends on the state. But, in, you know, in, in the West Coast, it's trust and escrow. You know, on the East Coast, um, it's more driven by the lawyers. So there's all that paperwork. Now, of course, we're moving all, a lot of that to digital. But the real future there and working on this, too, is blockchain, where you have a general ledger for each home. And you can track, you know, very easily who owned the home, when it moved from X to Y, just like and you know this in the Bitcoin world. Um, you, can, right. you can easily follow who owns the home. So just think of that home. You can issue a coin for each home in the world, right? And then it's all on a general ledger, so to speak. And that's the next uh, issue and not issue. That's the next fun thing to take on. It's going to happen. The only problem is, you know, I was at, at the L.A. County Recorder of Deeds a few weeks ago just by happenstance. And you know, I'm walking through their big library and there's a lady there with a push cart pulling, you know, paper off the shelf. Um, so is it going to happen in the next three or four years? No. Uh, but can, can it start happening more and more and then eventually get to where it could be on a blockchain or, you know, just e-signature would be a big development for, you know, LA County Recorder of Deeds. But we're preparing as if it's going to a blockchain world. And you know a lot about that. Love to talk to you about that on a separate call, if you'd like, um, sure. on a separate podcast. Because I think the things that you're so familiar with, Richard, are going to apply not just, just the stuff that you're, you're working on, but a lot of other things uh, like residential real estate. So in the end, when you ask about the inefficiency, we can almost sell the home faster then it takes to process the transaction on the back end with the digital technology we're using to sell homes. And so the next fun sure. thing beyond you know, bundling the transactions, make them cheaper for the people is moving to the you know, general ledger blockchain, blockchain world on the, on the back end. And that will, that will move a home from getting sold in you know, four months to probably two and a half months you know, if we do our job well and we can just move to the blockchain world. Well, very good. So how can um, buyers and sellers that are listening uh, contact you guys and uh, work with your platform to get their home sold or find a home that is ideal for them? Um, thanks for asking, Richard. They just go to rexchange.com, rex, R-E-X, and then change, like, you know, changing the world, rexchange. 
and uh, we have send some out to see you if you think our product is right for you. And um, generally speaking, when we visit people, uh, given that we do it for 2% and we have a lot of data to show we do it faster and better, uh, we're pretty successful. So we'd love to speak to anybody who would have interest in this way of selling a home. Yeah, last question. What does REC stand for? Uh, it stands for, for uh, Real Estate Exchange. Mm, gotcha. Okay. It's kind yeah, of it like, sounds like a common acronym. So. Yeah, it's kind of just kind of like the New York Stock Exchange or you know any of their exchanges, but stands for Real Estate Exchange. Okay, very good. Well, Jack, thanks for coming. I really appreciate your time on the podcast, and uh, I'm glad to see that you know yet another industry that's uh, mired in antiquity is is coming into the the modern world and getting better. So thanks for helping make that change. It's so much fun. We're doing. We feel like we're doing a lot of good for a lot of people. So thanks for mentioning that we're having fun doing it. So thanks for having me on. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.